0: hello and welcome to rule of three a podcast about comedy i'm joel morris I'm Jason Hazley, And as usual, we're joined by someone who makes comedy to talk about something funny that they love. By taking it apart, maybe we'll learn something about how comedy works. Or we'll just quote bits from it and giggle until we're finished. Both approaches are valid. Our special guest today is the wonderful Anna Crilly. Hello. Hi. Don't be frightened. Hi, Anna.
3: It suddenly sort of seems real, doesn't it? When your what? name is like... Yeah. It's almost like action.
0: Would you step forward, please? Yeah. Step onto yeah, the line. a
3: bit, like, headed.
0: Have you learned your lines? Are you off book?
3: Christ. I didn't realise there
0: was no, because no. we sent you the script.
3: Yeah, of course. Yeah, no, it's all up here.
0: That's right. Good. As, long as you're ready.
3: Oh God! Stop it now.
0: When you do auditions, are you off book? Do you do you learn like a prop, like, a, like an actor, or do you write on your hand?
3: Well, the thing these days is that you hardly ever go in for auditions, so you're always. Um,
4: <laughs> well, oh This so, is so, so so. so, so, so. <laughs> You. <laughs> Is it, you, are you doing the thing, weirdly still, called self-taping? Self-taping, yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. I
3: love it. I love Is it. Is it fun? I did one last night. I um, uh, did it, you know, head upwards, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Weird if it was yeah. head and below. If you're
4: torso and yeah. not your face.
3: Yeah, I just did it in my dressing gown. Put some makeup on. Right. And printed out the lines <laughs> extra large and sort of stuck them around the camera. And then just sort of you read it, but it doesn't look like you're reading. Or there's teleprompter now, which is amazing. So you get you get the body of the script and you put it into teleprompter, and it comes up like an auto key. That's what on
0: a, is it? what on an yeah. iPad or something. It's like Incredible
3: that? on an iPad. Oh great! I love self tapes. Always get jobs from self tapes. Never in the room because you have to be charming in the room.
0: It's a different job, I suppose.
3: Yeah, it's and as a casting director was said recently to somebody that I've worked with that they made the wrong choices when they were casting. A first series of something because they were giving the job to the person who they liked most who, oh. who came in the room and actually on set it wasn't the person who could do the best job I suppose uh, as well case. I
0: suppose as well you've got that fantastic thing of, of what a camera does and if you're if someone's charming in the room that might not transfer to the camera whereas a self tape is a merciless well, lens yeah, to say what do you
3: a, this is what I am this is what I can do yeah and I don't have to do any of that awful sort of chatty stuff <laughs>
4: I hate uh, oh it. right, is that? Oh right hello,
3: there? here I am, sat in a room with four people, some of whom won't even say hello or smile. Yeah, and uh, I have to sort of. Uh, come up with some hilarious anecdote just to kick off with knowing full well that in a minute I've got to do the acting <laughs>
4: who, are the, so, who are the four people when you go into an audition?
3: Get, so you might have a writer but you'd have a producer a director and a casting director Right. But normally it's, it's people that you haven't met before yeah, and you can see in their eyes if they've already cast it.
0: Oh dear! <laughs> yeah, and you have to still be charming and bring out your anecdote.
3: You've got to try. I mean, I used to go in very. I, I thought I. I thought I was probably like a breath of fresh air, but in hindsight,
0: <laughs> you're I, a wet fart.
3: Anything but fresh air. I was bringing to that room where I'd go. I don't think I'm really right for this, guys.
0: It's a strange thing to do. It would be a strange thing to do if actors were naturally really tough and thick-skinned. Yeah, but they And not. it's the opposite of that. It's go to, to put yourself voluntarily up for the "Am I Hot or Not?" engine, basically.
3: Yeah, and, and now because of the self-tape um, thing, you can you can look on Vimeo and you can watch the the counts go up.
0: Oh right. So.
3: <laughs> uh, so you can check back and see how many watches you've got, and that should be an indicator of how far down the line you're getting. Oh, so so it's like, like a clapometer. Doesn't that that <laughs> cost five pounds a month thing, <laughs> for, like,
0: that for that torture. that torture. And um, this is, what, <laughs> this like, is like, awful. This is seriously. really awful. So, this is like so, when I first found out about battery hens. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I'm going actor vegan. Oh, yeah. and
3: Anna, I know. why are you doing this to yourself? I don't know. Well, you've chosen to do this, so this is what you deserve. <laughs>
0: is it? Is it the end of the process? You haven't finished the process unless you found out how badly it's gone. Oh, oh. God! Anyway, how's 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 life? Good. Great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We were laughing just now because Jason had been going through his... You've been going through your archive boxes. Yeah, my
4: boxes are many, many boxes. And I found the original proposal document for what became yours and Katie Wicks' sketch show on Channel 4. And the front page of it had a picture of you two on it, and it said, the Anna and Katie show, so funny you'll think they're men. (laughs) And I thought... We wouldn't do that now, would we?
2: <laughs> no,
3: we wouldn't. And funnily enough, it was our t- it was the tagline on our poster for Edinburgh, the last <gasps> Edinburgh that we did in two thousand and nine. Wow! And it felt like quite a brave thing to say. Yeah.
0: Like, know, yeah. Up to yeah. The,
3: the, the Industry, and then I remember when our Channel Four show was released in two thousand and thirteen, everyone was a bit more woke about the yeah, whole yeah. subject, and you know, men and women and comedy and all that. And I remember the exec, the lovely Neris at Channel Four used it in a press release so she said they're so funny you'll think they're men <laughs> because it was one of our lines
0: yeah and it was yeah. something
3: that she and i and katie had always laughed about and um people got really oh, she can't say that oh she God. can't say that and then people took it the wrong way because at that point 2013 people were waking up
0: to- it was in negotiation oh, that, Absolutely, that, it's all sort of like a joke about how women were not being allowed to have their voice in comedy and we were talking earlier on about sort of still looking at castlets and the the only role for the woman being woman opposite. Yeah. Is that the role you got for a lot
3: yes is is woman one woman opposite, woman. I did a thing a few years ago, and um the character was somebody's mum, and rather than give her a name, they just continued all the way through, edited it, credits went up, still just called whatever the character's name was mum.
0: oh my God, and that's
3: really depressing.
0: Mm. What, what that implies as well, because when you're doing a, when you do a, a piece of writing, one of the last things you should always do, it's just a good habit, is go through and say, has anyone in this, Script not got any agency or identity because at some point you're going to be handing this script to an actor. And if you've not given yeah. Dan's mum enough thought to say she might be called Jenny, yeah. then when the actor says, Hey, who is she? you won't have the answer. So it's always good to go, Well, even if she just knows she's called Judy. Yeah. That's all. And then your brain might go, Oh, then she's a typical Judy. And you might be able to actually answer the question. Because but you're-
3: Yeah, there's a lot to be said in a name. There's a lot that uh, just the simple act of giving somebody a name <laughs> mm. gives that character. Yeah. A hook. And Katie and I were very into that. I mean, stupid names were the thing yeah. that we spent the most amount of time on.
0: I was it's told off for that. Fun. It's I was, fun to we write yeah. silly one, names. One of the first it's... notes we ever got from a script editor is you're having too much fun doing the silly names. And we yeah. went, yeah, and we're trying to keep our interest up doing this job, so fuck off.
3: And it's the one thing, when you read something and you're going in for, say, a let's say a 40-year-old woman and her name is Beryl, Immediately for me I'm like, well this this isn't a funny script no.
0: then because no.
3: nobody in their forties is called Beryl. That's
0: no. just yep. stupid. Yep.
3: But if her name is Jemima Sliptwat, then <laughs> then that's comedy. It's very it's but
0: it's, it's part of it we, we, line were, we were told this by Andrew Ellard we did a script Andrew who's a script editor does Red Dwarf and, and a brilliant script I did loads of Graham Linnan and stuff and things and Andrew's really good and we had this script where a guy next door was called something like Roger the neighbour and he went for God's sake yeah. if you're handing me a script and you call the neighbour Roger yeah. you're missing the chance to call him yeah. Kramer or, or Niles Absolutely, there's so yeah. many good names and we eventually because he was called Roger called him Sloman Slave. after Roger Sloman because we <laughs> like Roger Sloman and he said immediately I know who that character is and the actor Actor will be able to play them Perfect. that way. But Slowman is a great name for a neighbour because it's Slowman. but it yeah. also has... And presence. he was eventually
4: played by Simon Farnaby, yeah. who
0: obviously you go, well, yeah, of course, that's Slowman, isn't it? Only by deciding that the guy had to... Part of it is just saying, in a while an actor's going to have to think about this character, so can you do the honour of thinking about the character? Absolutely, yeah. Um,
4: so, on names, uh, we're going to be talking a little bit today about Peter
0: Moorcross, aren't we? Moorcross, it's I, lovely, isn't it? I like names like that. They're Dickensian names.
3: What's her name in it? I can't remember. Flick, Flick. Oh that's my
0: right. god! So do tell the uh, listening several
4: what you have brought onto Rule the of Three.
3: Listening several. Well, hardly anyone's ever heard of it or watched it. <laughs> uh, it's a show called Human Remains.
2: coming, as I do, from a family of huge men. I mean, my, my father was was medically a giant. And, uh, I mean, Geoffrey was also wonderfully large. Um, which means that Peter falls really rather short. We're looking for a riding outfit for my husband. Right, a traditional sort He's of thing? S- mm-hmm. Ideally something he can grow into.
4: OK, what uh, size are you, sir? I'm a 32-inch waist.
2: All right, well, let's try him in a 38.
4: Um, I mean, if you want to try him in a... A size larger, perhaps we could try a 34.
0: $34. Let's put him in a 36.
2: A 36 is fine. It's on, I think,
3: a th- very early two thousand. It's
0: made in 2000. It's the same era as The Office.
3: Oh, was it? Yeah,
0: it's yeah. around the same time as that. And it is six
4: standalone mockumentaries starring and written by Julia Davis and Rob Bryden. And I will say this up front. Firstly, I love the series. I absolutely love it. I loved it right from the off. I know it so well. I think it is the best thing Julia
0: Davis has ever done.
3: I have to agree.
0: I think I it's do. the best. I think the two of them together have do that exponential thing where it's it's the pair of them are really good in things and this is them squared. Yeah. Together, this is the best thing. They they, they
3: they sort of Rob Bryden and it always surprises me when you see him. Like I know he does the trip now, mm. and he did Gavin and Stacey, yeah. obviously. Mm. But but the fact that he's now kind of the host, the comedy panel show host. Yes, he's yeah. so wasted. Like, yeah. he's an incredible performer.
4: He really yeah. is. He and the really character is.
3: Character actor. Yeah. And the way he slips into all those different characters, like the sort of the, the aggressive Welsh homophobic yeah
0: thug, yeah.
3: And, uh, all over my glasses. Yeah. It's that one.
5: I've said it before. He's like the brother I never had. You know, I'm not saying I haven't got a brother because I have, but right there wrongly wrong, he's more like a sister.
3: But this sort of terribly aristocratic. Uh, thicko, well, thicko it's, it's
0: enormously thick. It, it, feels, it feels a bit like, it's almost like, no, self-tape's the wrong way. it's almost like a demo reel. It's like when you get a keyboard oh, and you press play and it does all the sounds. Yeah. This is six episodes in which you get all the different things. They're showing off their range in Alec Guinness, Kind Hearts and Coronet's way of going. Yeah. But they do it's every the class, showreel. every dynamic. So one of them can be dominant, one of them can be sub-dominant. They do clever, stupid, childlike, adult, boring, exciting. They do every single it's, Yeah, corner. it's the perfect show reel.
3: Like, you Should never, ever. If you had that in your arsenal as a performer, you'd never worry about work.
4: No, no. She. We've had another.
5: I'm guessing it horse or very large dog. Oh,
0: it's a wonderful one-off. It's six episodes long, and it's got that series of comic plays thing that now is on television again with inside number nine where it's not a sitcom so you can understand why you might not commission this again because it's not got running characters But it, it's got what inside number nine's got which is you tune in every week because you want to see these people and their voice what way. you know these guys and you trust them to be funny so you'll watch them do anything
2: yeah
5: what are you thinking about love
2: taking my own life that's
5: it now do you know what i see out there i see a boat You know I see on the boat? Me and you. Do you know what we're doing? We're cruising. Cruising together on the high seas. Having a lovely cruise. Eh? Now, you still feel like taking your own life. Yeah. That's it. Onward and upward. Together forever. In a and
3: I think it was so refreshing at the time because you'd seen kind of the Victoria Wood, the very big silly characters with, the, you know, the silly voices. Yeah. This is Silly Voices, but it's a- a- about... a a millionth of the sort of the energy it's
0: very very subtle like
3: Victoria Wood would
0: have put well but she did it I mean the the, the two things it reminds me of because it's a mock doc but the two things that come before it that immediately it links to are Victoria Wood's documentary spoofs like Swimming the Channel and A Very Ordinary Man or whatever those ones with Jim Broadbent's a boring man it's very that and it's very the day-to-day's documentary strands with No One Died and The Pool and uh, The Office the things they did in there where it's minutely observed
5: of the day, I my hands up like that, I say, give them what they want, right? So, coffee, right? Sandwiches. Uh, here we
2: are. I'm not ashamed to make a sandwich.
5: Situation being, ham, sausage, sausage, ham, jam. No lamb, can't shift it.
2: We don't tend to do your fancy sandwiches, you know, your brown beds and your bogles and whatnot. I mean, this isn't London.
5: And I've had the people, we've had them, we had them in here. You know, oh, you got the order wrong, you know. Well, I'm sorry, I'm out of pocket, you know. I gave you what I heard. Gave you what I heard.
0: But it comes at a time with British fly-on-the-wall documentary making, where everyone in comedy was really obsessed by Martin Parr documentaries and Lucy Blackstad documentaries and Molly Deneen these documentary makers who would just train a camera on a couple until they revealed themselves or people who worked on a farm <laughs> yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And Matt Lipsy, who directed this, directed Little Britain as well. And you know that Matt and David were obsessed yeah, exactly. by those things. Everyone seemed to be getting their comedy from watching fly-on-the-wall documentaries, which is what The Office is. And people like us. Where do you get your ideas from? Watching ordinary people be boring. Well, I
3: think, yeah, because I, I was, oh, I don't know, in my teens when this was out. Were you? Roughly in my teens, Jason. Yeah. yeah. people yep. okay. take I'll buy that. a few years. Yeah,
0: you you were born when this was made, weren't yes, you? Yeah, for your years, For your casting age, yes, you were born to the sound of the theme young. of Human Remains. Spiritually, you were a teenager, um, <laughs> weren't you? I mean, that's what you were spiritually. But
3: I think... You know that thing when you're a kid and you watch your friends, parents, you have the the sort of the circle of people that you can observe. Yes. Are your friends and their parents and teachers. And that's sort of it, isn't it? Yeah. And when you come across, because I had a friend whose parents were very into um, caravanning.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
3: and they had beige blinds and beige <laughs> carpets and beige... But um, they were definitely sort of... They were racist. They were very homophobic. One worked in a bank. One did a lot of work with the church. (laughs) And, um, And I remember I used to go to her house a lot... And she used to uh, get a a dustpan and brush after a barbecue and sweep the grass, the lawn, (laughs) to get the crumbs up. What? It was so odd. But
4: but perfectly formed comedy characters. Perfectly formed
3: comedy characters. And those were the people that you used to watch, I think, as a kid, as a teenager, and just be fascinated by this behaviour. There was another girl at school whose mum used to to make sure that the kids didn't go into their bedrooms during the day at the weekends... She used to put a sprinkling of talcum powder around the bedroom doors so that if they'd gone into their rooms during the day, she knew. And those are the sort of absolute batshit mental people.
0: You're you're right. As a kid, you watch the adult world through this same filter, which is, I was writing down saying, how does this work? Why are the jokes in this so funny? And they are tiny character sketches through which it's like, you've twitched their curtains it's a fly on the wall yeah, thing yeah. you you peer in and go it's like going who are those? There's there's a couple in one of these who do look out the window at their neighbours convinced yes. they're Satanists because yes. they've got unusual garden furniture. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's that thing of you, as a kid, you look and you go, you try and work out, almost triangulate, who are the next-door neighbours by the tiny bits of evidence they leave out. It's like seeing, I don't know, looking at what's on someone's doormat or yeah. something.
3: Because you don't converse with those people. Yeah. As a kid, you don't have long chats or you're not trying to sort of keep up appearances or you're just l- silently watching them.
0: Yeah, everyone's and a documentary behaviors. crew as a kid, aren't they? Yeah,
3: and that's why I think Human Remains for me just felt like ah, I get I get, I see where these people have come from.
0: These are grown-ups, this is the grown-up is world. Probably,
3: and, and, and Julia and, and Rob are the kids silently observing them
2: I think a husband is, is, is in many ways a, a little bit like having a pet. Um and uh, certainly, Peter I- I is that, in that he's always around and getting under my feet. <laughs> and uh, one would sometimes wishes one could put them outside. But um, one does have to keep up standards.
0: Yeah, well, they're sort of dressing up. I mean, they're at the age where I mean, they can wear ball caps and they can age up to play these people, and there is a feeling of like mocking the grown-ups, mocking the people from the church yeah. hall the church. group or, or whatever. Really, sausage. There's a there's a yeah. there's a bit of that. I mean, they're very very nuts in May, slightly Mike Lee thing going on, in it, but way more subtle, I'd argue, than than a lot of what Mike Lee does. They're, they're very. Because the the primary purpose is definitely comedy rather than anger. Mm. They're trying to make you laugh or make you unsettled or whatever. But what you're seeing through those those glimpses of people is when they start out, what people say, what the grown-ups in these little dramas say, isn't what's going on behind closed doors. They'll be revealed to be sex people (laughs) or possibly they killed their kids. You think they killed their kids in the the episode where they're running the florists by the sea. And there's a brilliant line there where the guy is so relentlessly optimistic and he says, we're very happy apart from losing the twin. <laughs> <laughs> which is as a piece of and they writing. that's about social that's
3: I mean. services coming on, quite a lot.
0: A of lot of questions then. were asked. And then
3: of course they went.
0: A lot of questions were asked, and she's obviously been depressed since. It's full of these little lines where halfway through or ten minutes in, where's the poison getting into this couple who are yeah. to the camera saying we're very very happy, we're we're fine, and it'll go we lost the twins, or oh, this isn't my love, or my first husband died, or there'll be a cl- or I've got a disease or something, and there'll be a little drop of darkness, and you have to sort of which is again like being a kid spotting a huge
3: drop of dark <laughs> in most cases it's so dark but you never because i i absolutely love that sort of stuff and if, having done quite dark comedy live i know how brave it is to put lines in like that because mm. people will hate you yeah if if it goes badly if they're not quite on side or or that bad thing that you're mentioning has happened to somebody that they know oh you've had it Oh no, we're walking out! Come on, Margaret, we're going.
0: Yeah, so, so it's, it's very, very easy to lose people. Really it?
3: easy to lose people, and in a live setting. So yeah. what you might you might have some walkouts. All the better for it, I say. But if you're putting that out on BBC. You know, you could really bury yourself if if you get the tone of that wrong. But somehow, even though it is that dark, it's never cynical.
0: This comes out very, very soon after Alan Partridge, within sort of a few years of that, which I think for the BBC was the biggest they'd ever taken a character who'd been quite broad and jolly and said, OK, here's, I'm Alan Partridge, Linton Travel Tavern. There's just darkness visible constantly through lines. This is made by uh, Baby Cow, isn't it? By Steve Coogan, yes, Harry Normal, yeah. that same team. They've had a success with Partridge and they they've sort of said, well, the public seem to be able to still love and take a character when you peel away the face and see the horrible... I mean, the one-sided phone conversations Partridge has with his wife and his son are very human remains, very... you read in the unsaids.
4: Look, your mum and I, believe me, your, your mum, we did it everywhere. We, you know, in the lounge, in the hall, behind a large boulder on Hell Valen for my birthday. <laughs> Actually, that is where you were conceived. LAUGHTER we just, we just didn't take precautions.
0: And Human Remains is all about those unsets, the, the horribleness behind the bluster of saying we're very happy. We're Because we're it's about couples and relationships. But it's a,
3: risk, but it's a big risk. Because if you've got the one character that's been phenomenally successful, like Alan Partridge, you can you can look at him because he's an idiot. Yeah. And you can go, well, well he's just an idiot and we know him, so that's fine. But to take half-hour brand-new sets of characters yeah. and be as brave with some of those... Jokes is that I mean, there's one episode that, like we said, we wouldn't talk about because <coughs> it's essentially it's bullying someone with learning yeah. difficulties. Yeah,
5: I mean, rightly or wrongly, I like it. You know, you like it now, yeah, you like it now. Hey, yeah. Spindolero, Spindolero, Spindolero say yes, hey, champion of the world, Spindolero, Don't hit me, Don't hit me, boom, 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 Don't hit me, <laughs> Spindolero. I arrest you on a charge of self-abuse
0: increasingly this will become an area we need to talk about which is the, the documentaries from which these are inspired very often had or focused on people with learning difficulties with issues like that and I think we've changed our standards with documentary making oddly John's not mad well, that kind of thing Ross. yeah but oddly that's the first one of those that everyone went mad for because that style of documentary making where you went well, you're not saying there's a mental health issue here those people now go on to Britain's Got Talent weirdly the reality and constructive reality is where those slightly exploitational mm-hmm. Susan boil, those, those kind of things where someone is very vulnerable. They now championed on reality shows and competitions, whereas back in the day, around the 90s 2000s, there were a lot of documentaries about things like Mike Reed's Stalker uh, which became very, very...
3: I don't see that. Oh, Blue Tree of Reed.
0: That's the one that constantly appears on... Um, League of Gentlemen make references League to Gentleman it. League of Gentlemen newspaper boards. And yeah, I know like Little that. Britain, the <laughs> guys were interested. They they sort of passed as sort of contraband things. There's an astonishing person on television. But what you didn't say is there's they a, a film crew has exploited someone with, with mental health issues, which I think you'd think now. But there was... It was very much the lingua franca of those documentaries was very often they went for people who were vulnerable and stood back. You're taking people who are very low status and putting them on television. Even, I imagine, Maureen from Driving School, those characters who became celebrities who yeah. weren't ready for it, those proto-Susan Boyles, yeah. that was in the culture. And these it comedy shows... of
3: responsibility towards those people that I feel yeah. like we have much more of.
0: Totally. There. I think they've given more... But I think, weirdly, the comedy that came out of it now, you look at it and you go, oh, you bristle, and you think, no, this was... Television was very like this at the time. And in that one, which is all over my glasses, where Julia Davis is playing her jam character, the, I do know what a parking meters are character, that very, very slack, uh, low-energy performance.
2: Not pregnant as such, but, you know, could happen at any time. Stephen's
0: got quite a temper. In that, your sympathy's entirely with her, and it's her yobbish, thuggish boyfriend who's the person who gets the most savagery. Uh, so I think there's a... There, it walks a difficult line.
3: That one in particular, I'm going
0: to annoyingly i think it's the funniest one of the lot yeah because i think the performances are committed and the depth of characterization in that Mm. i'd never seen anything like that and it did look like there's a there's a responsibility to it i think in that it's depicting something that definitely exists in the world those couples people with that relationship that incredible what's effectively domestic abuse gaslighting and that's brave comedy but my God, it's hard to watch. It is, but it's very funny. It's I very remember showing funny. it to my mum and dad. My mum and dad liked the office and I said, Oh, you'll love this. And I showed them that episode what of Humour Remains. They didn't laugh. No.
4: Oh, oh. So the thing is that like problematic is not the opposite of funny, right? Nor is offensive the opposite of funny. Something can be offensive and funny. Yeah. It can be problematic and funny. Those things can coexist together. Yes. And they and it does in that episode, I think. It's it wasn't it wasn't very problematic at the time. It's becoming problematic it now, and it's going to get more problematic. Yeah. yeah. It, I it think, it'd be interesting
0: how all. But then you can say that about it would be hard to watch if you had someone in your family with anger issues they might find it hard to watch Basil Fawlty I know plenty of dads I know didn't enjoy watching Basil Fawlty to me
3: though lads and I'm sorry to say this I see I was never a comedy geek I didn't mm. get into comedy until uh, 2004, I think. Right. And I never used to watch comedy, and uh, I, was, I was never the girl that would turn up and see live comedy all the time and, you know, look at things and pick things apart. And so, for me, I, I was simply laughing at the fact that she had really thick glasses on. Her voice. <laughs>
4: <laughs> She's
5: very, very regal woman. When she was young, of course actually wasn't sure I, I could see a look of a young sort of Susan Hampshire about her. But now she's, she's, she's grown, she's matured into something very regal, with more than a passing resemblance to Camilla Parker Bowles. Lucky old Peter.
4: The episode um, we've all had a good deep dive into, um, is the first episode, An English Squeak.
3: An English Squeak, yes.
4: And this is about Peter and Flick... Um, who are a married couple. This is Flick's second marriage. She
3: wasn't married to She Jeffrey. wasn't
4: married to Jeffrey, were, was she? They now? were in
3: their 20s when he died.
4: That's right. Mm. And he was her soulmate, and he was medically a
0: giant. <laughs> her <laughs> father was medically
3: <laughs> a giant.
0: Both of them, both of them. Her oh, father was he medically was a giant. he was very large. With a very small head. <laughs> <laughs> in proportion to his body. <laughs>
3: uh,
4: uh, <laughs> he was
3: killed in a boating accident.
4: That's right, he was pulled down by the reeds, yes. wasn't he? <laughs> um,
3: but he, uh, Peter... Had tried to save the wrong person. Yes. Had given a sunbather mouth-to-mouth. And in the meantime, Geoffrey had died.
0: And within, is it within a day, Peter has proposed to flip Within
3: an hour of getting back (laughs) to the police station. Amazing.
0: Uh, Which is, again, there's a lovely subtext of that. There's a college, they were at at Cambridge together. Uh, It's a lovely thing.
4: The dot, dot, dot between Cambridge and university. Yeah. (laughs) trying to clarify that.
2: Well, we, we met at Cambridge.
4: University.
5: Originally met in drama sock. Hmm. Hither and yon, you know, neither of us have done a great deal in that department. But, I mean, Flick made us super
2: Miss Julie. Oh, I've always been a bit of a clown.
0: The hidden story of a college romance, yeah. where Peter was waiting in the wings like some dutiful dog, waiting for a gap where he could go and marry Flicker, who was a great beauty. Oh, oh, she, had,
3: she had a look of Susan, Susan Hampshire,
0: yeah. and a Camilla Parker balls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's all, all the, again, all the class notes and all the, uh, all the, the furniture around it is absolutely perfect, and it's probably worth talking about how this series was made because it's written in a very interesting way. What it is, it's the ultimate actor showcase, as we've said, but also it's an amazing writing showcase. And how it how it was made is they improvised, they worked out the characters and the dynamics and then improvised into portable handy cameras in their flat. And there's that footage is available on the DVD. You can flick and actually watch it Yeah,
4: the DVD, we must say, is a really good
0: package. It's brilliant. You can it's watch brilliant. them in the flat, in parallel with the scenes doing it. But what it means is they've improvised. And then instead of doing the improvisation to camera in the final take, like you would do in a Will Ferrell movie, they've just learned the improvisation. So they've just sifted out the best 20 lines from an hour and are then performing them, That's but cute. with the feeling that they're coming up with them on the cuff, which I think is how Christopher Guest does a lot of the stuff in Spinal Tap and his movies. It's a really great way of making very natural-sounding comedy, but it's also a way of sifting out what are the best jokes. I'd never known sex
5: like it. For me, sex had always been perfunctory. Um,
2: It was like jumping off a a diving board. Into a bouncy
5: castle. (laughs)
0: When you watch the footage of them on the handicap, all you can see is the two of them holding in waves of laughter, of Julia Davis just cracking up and roll, throwing there's her head back. A
3: lot, yeah, there's quite a lot of scenes uh, in the later episodes. They're obviously on their best behavior in an yeah. uh, English squeak, but you can see she'll she'll make a character choice to rub his back so she can be able to move her head behind his head. She's
0: got a lot of no, long hair no sometimes, way. but she's in front of her face. or she's, she's oh, I don't know how That's very well spotted. Incredible, But when you watch the the roughs of it, they're working this stuff out and they, they're doing it to make each other laugh. So when he says Susan Hampshire, you know that in the flat when they work out, that was the name of maybe three that he chose yeah. that got the big laugh yeah. off, off, his, off his partner. And what the whole show feels like, even though... They're not necessarily love letters to the characters. They're, they may even despise the characters. They really love each other. They really love making each other laugh. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, it's all about couples and all about dynamics. And the dynamic that is on the screen throughout that makes it watchable is it's always Rob Brydon and Julia Davis. And you can tell they're just loving making each other yeah. laugh.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
1: Imagine the
5: softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.
3: I think the first 10 minutes of an English squeak is, uh, I think there's a joke every 30 seconds.
0: It's fast, isn't it?
3: It's really fast. It's so impressive.
0: They're not indulgent. I mean, this should be an actor's indulgence, and it's far from that.
3: joke after joke after joke. So jealous!
0: <laughs> great,
4: um, great surrounding cast as well. You know, Nana yeah. is played by um, Joanna Scanlan, Scanlon. Yeah. and
0: Stephen Mangan yeah. does a turn as a, as a, circ- as a birthday a, clown, children's that, yeah. entertainer. Yeah. Well, there's a slight implication in this that Peter is basically a child, and uh, he's, he's sort of very, very articulate, like a, like anyone who's been to a good school. He can explain himself, but obviously he's, ta- he's on a swing a lot, a little, yes. and he's filmed like a little boy, and he's he's taking part in a gymkhana where everyone else is about. Eight. Yeah, and he's on, on this fucking enormous horse. It's it's like 16 horse. hands or something. Yeah. This horse. huge. Everyone...
3: He says at one point, um when he's talking about the job that he does, he, he, uh, he's in corporate hospitality or something, um, and he says...
5: I make a noise in hospitality. Uh, corporate hospitality. Mostly making a noise on the telephone. I can't
4: pretend it's difficult work. But I find it very hard.
3: <laughs> so it
4: <he> is. <laughs> So it's, it's, there's a power and dynamic. of course, the other thing about his childishness is that he's got his comforter, hasn't he? It'll because he spends oh, a, a lot of the time with a cushion over his lap. <laughs> <which> <laughs> is, and as you pointed out earlier, that's obviously something that they just had lying around the flat when they were improvising it. And mm. it becomes a character note. Yeah. yeah he's because at, I, I, I do, I, I, he takes it off his lap at one point and says, but I do prefer it with it on and puts it
0: back on his lap. And there's the implication the there that, that is in a lot of these where he's burying basically his crotch because, uh, of course, Flick suffers terribly. She's very tight suffers tough, from tough, almost fatal, she claims, vaginissimus. Yes. So you so get the feeling that there's always in these characters a, 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 an underbed of sex that is being pushed down in that British way.
5: People ask, is it infertility? No, it's not. It's not. not. Oh. It's rather more delicate, rather more private, and it's not something... It's vaginismus. That... That's
2: right. During intercourse, the um, vaginal walls contract to the point where um, penile accommodation is absolutely impossible.
0: Even a small penis feels like an aubergine. Oh. Yeah. And this couple, I think, almost the best one... It's, it's almost the best depiction of it. There's a lovely one where they've got swingers in who are very open about sex. Yeah, I
3: can't watch that.
0: That's too rude. Is it yeah. too funny? <laughs> in. <laughs> they're Brummies,
3: aren't they? Yeah, yeah brummy so sex
0: right. people yeah. with... Uh, with
4: Oh, you know. there is a dynamite outtake from that one on the DVD as well. Yeah. Oh, speaking of climaxes, thank you very much for last night. My pleasure. Lord, yeah. It's
0: like a lawnmower. <laughs> There's one dirty Lynn there, sex people, one, which is, you're right, it's, it's awkwardly rude. But what's great about the rest of them, and obviously Julia Davis has done loads of stuff where she's played with sex and embarrassment in her work since then. And I find some of that too rude as well. What I love about these is because it's repressed they're very watchable because it's the same repressed mm. sexuality that's in George and Mildred. It's a very good repressed British sitcom sexuality. Yet yeah, they talk about sex all the time. There's always, the camera's always catching antics through windows and, and things. And
3: noises as well. They're big oh, into their sex noises. As well <laughs> in their scene though, they'll just cut away from, you know, yep. humping noises. <laughs> I remember buying this because I I was so obsessed with this when it came out and I went out and I think I bought everyone for Christmas and birthday for about two years a copy of Human Remains.
4: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) great. Great.
3: well, you will like it because it's the best thing that's ever been on, on TV <laughs> and hardly anyone ever liked it.
0: Really? No. I found it, I got a really good hit rate with making people watch it. I, watching it again at home, I went, oh God, I remember the year where this is all I did. Was someone would come around and I went, we're putting this on. Yeah. Like like the day-to-day, anyone who came to the house had to watch Slytherin, All Over My Glasses, and it I,
3: I would judge friends on whether or not we had a future as to whether they liked <laughs> Human Remains or not, I think, for a while. I bought my brother a copy and I I think I think he was he was like he wanted to enjoy it because he could see that I really loved it but he admitted oh, I'm I'm not sure that I'm really that into it afterwards I fe- I felt crushing disappointment yeah. when people didn't like it cuz so I say, like, this is the best thing that's ever been on TV
0: but there's a, there's a truth about this which is probably worth talking about generally I mean on this podcast which is <laughs> that comedy is so niche the best comedy the stuff that goes in deep that belongs to you very often your best friend might not like it or someone who you've shared your your sibling might not like it you can have everything in common with someone apart from the precision of their sense of humor whereas you will broadly agree that that was an exciting drama or a good yeah. film comedy is so specific and that the hardest thing with making comedy is putting it on broadcasting networks where everyone goes well 22 million people didn't watch it it's a failure but whereas actually the best comedy is stuff that speaks directly to you. Oh, your always, yeah. Funny and, and
3: I I started off doing stand-up and it was very niche, my
0: act. <laughs> was it? Niche. How, how niche? Can you describe it? Did you like it? it? Did you not like it?
3: I loved it. Oh,
0: they, it was just for yeah.
3: you? Most people hated it. <laughs> I did stuff about... Oh, I did stuff about having a, a partner who had uh, no foot and so <coughs> he couldn't go back to the farm because of the... Um, Cattle uh, rails. Cattle <laughs> I did an impression of a, a jellyfish who ate particles off the ocean floor.
0: So, a Peter Kay kind of a broadly yeah, observational like routine,
3: that kind of area. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I used to, I mean, used to be sort of punted because I had a full-time job in casting, um, and I would go, I would. Miss my lunch hour from work uh, so I could finish at five, so I could get on a train and go to Lancashire to do this stuff about jellyfish and (laughs) a man with no foot uh, to like 200 students. And they'd just be like, oh, they were furious.
0: (laughs) Did you like that? Did you enjoy it? I Not enjoyed drunk.
3: it to begin with. And after a while I was like, why am I missing my lunch hour and getting home at two in the morning to then get up again at seven in the morning to go back to work for... To have angry students shouting and hurling things at me. Ultimately, if I didn't split a room, I came away disappointed.
0: Is that when when you, when you teamed up with Katie? There was I, I couldn't believe when I, when I first saw your show with Katie, the first Penny Pub show. I thought you'd known each other since childhood or something because it was <laughs> a completely shared voice and it had that same sense of of secret delight that you get from human remains. You're watching two people who make each other laugh so much that the gift as an audience is being allowed into that two-person game
3: yeah no we we worked together for god we got together we i saw we saw each other at a gig at a competition gig and i i my my stomach hurt from from laughing watching casey's act and she the same with me and no one else in the room was laughing <laughs> <laughs> so we thought, chill what we need to do? Definitely like get together.
0: At least there's an audience of one in every yeah, single room who yeah. will be laughing.
3: And so we continued to split audiences um for many edinburgh's <laughs> Um but yeah but yeah, there was there's always the thing of I remember the first year we were in Edinburgh, um we we ended up getting like these incredible reviews and I think the Times or someone like that had given us five stars. So immediately you're selling out like it's 50 seats, this tiny little room, but you're selling out to a group of soon to be very angry times <laughs> who, and I think my mum heard somebody as she was leaving the venue one day going, "What cunt gave that five stars?
0: <laughs> that should go on the poster for next year."
3: <laughs> so it's it's that uh, you can do this sort of uh, sort of off kilter stuff, but if you get the wrong audience, you're screwed.
4: Yeah. Uh, who would have thought that a good review could actually work against your
0: favour? It
3: totally did
0: But th- really did. you don't want to raise expectations, or again it's, it's why there's still an art to who you recommend things to. What, what scheduling is on television is basically the recommendation of a trusted friend this is, doesn't feel like a BBC One show this feels like a mm. I'm used to Mrs Brown's boys, what's Alan Partridge doing on there that, you're always at that risk and I suppose what you've got with Human Remains is something which you're passing round from person to person saying please be like me mm.
3: It's the darkest thing you've, you'll ever see.
0: Well, the bit in in an English Squeak where at the beginning Flick refers to Peter he's more like a pet, really. You want to keep him outside, <laughs> but you but you mustn't. And then later on, when well, she's talking about where he will be buried, and she's got the grave of Geoffrey in the grounds of the of the She'll manor, be
3: curled around him. Like She'll
0: a be curled around. And and and, and, and Peter's saying, "Well, I'll, I'll be I'll be next to." She's, "No, no, you'll be over there," and points towards the pet cemetery, yeah. and he'll be with the dogs and the hamster over there.
2: I mean, I always knew with Geoffrey, that he was very much the one. He had these wonderfully large, very red lips, uh, quite bulbous, I think one would almost say, and a particularly big tongue. I mean, he was medically a giant. Um, And I'll never forget how it used to probe into my mouth and really search my mouth, you know, one would feel that it was actually quite forceful. Well,
5: I mean, Geoffrey was really was coming... rather good at everything that he did. I mean, that was the thing about him, is that he was an achiever and he was captain at all sorts of sports and I suppose kissing was no different. I mean, I never experienced <laughs> the kiss my <myself>. Click. <laughs> oh, the vaginismus. Sometimes when the muscles contract, will get depleted the blood sugar will go down it's a form of diabetes isn't it darling it's
0: all right there come on
2: i've got today. please don't pour me it's darling all right, it's all right please don't
0: pour me darling and she's treated it's pure abuse and she's she's wondering where she's always got an eye patch on or a crutch as her way of saying saying i'm too ill to pay attention to you, <laughs> Do
3: you he does this whole thing at the end of that episode where he's talking about her vaginismus yeah. And how hopefully, you know, one day he will have his meal again, i.e. have sex with her again. And so he doesn't want to snack because he's just building up to this moment <laughs> when they can finally have sex again. And then she says something like, of course, best case scenario is it can just be a slow, steady decline until I, you know, I can, uh, there is no penile accommodation at all. It like goes back to his face and he's just like... Oh right, that's this is our this is our life then.
2: If you couple the grief with a very very tight,
0: you know, there's not much room for Peter they do this wonderful thing which again doesn't happen very often in improvised stuff because very often if you've got something that's purely improvised to camera they're often one shot counter shot one shot counter shot the joy of watching people who know each other mm. is the two shot and this is about couples it's all shot in two shots so when someone's doing their grandstanding turn you've got the other face to watch which tells you the rest of the story so when yes. she's talking to camera you get Rob Brydon's sort of little boy yeah. disappointed face and they do so much of that and when you see again the original rehearsals the person who's reacting is just laughing but when they remove the laughter and go okay how would i react to someone saying i'm hoping i eventually become so tight he can't get in me at all (laughs) and eventually (laughs) hopefully we'll just die or he'll die the look on the other character's face is where the rest of the story is yeah
3: and that character is still trying to slightly hold it together for the they're on camera camera that's the perfect storm isn't it
0: it's brilliant they don't put the, the documentary crew are not visible uh, which is quite nice. They don't do a, a sort of David Lander or a, a People Like Us. They don't have jokes about documentary form, but they're really strict about only showing you what would be in one of these documentaries because I know Jason and I have sticklers for this. We hate it when something looks like a mock doc, but they put bits in it that you wouldn't film. Yeah. This is really good at looking like a Molly Denineen or a Lucy Blackstad. Yeah. It's yeah. really strict. They said, it's a mock doc and we're following those rules, which is very um, flattering to the audience. You are invited to be the fly on the wall. You're the camera. There's
3: lo- those are those examples where you could, you know, the, the camera has followed somebody into a room where it wouldn't, and yeah, picked up on a conversation that you would, if you had a camera crew in your house, you would never allow, yeah, and that's when the sort of
0: the, the reality the illusion is broken? But this it? is very good at any time something private's happening, it's shot sneakily through door jams, yep. and they're tiny glimpses of people who are doing something mm-hmm. that they've said they don't do on camera the camera crew have stolen it which makes it much funnier I, I, it's just a class act it's really there's,
3: good there's a lovely bit at his party where Yeah um, <laughs> uh,
0: it's a fucking eight year old's birthday yeah, party
3: it literally the clown balloons a dog cake <laughs> a
2: horse cake
4: lovely line from the clown as well shall I make Peter disappear <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah.
2: Peter's grandfather died in his uh, mid-forties and his father died in his early forties so uh, we can only keep our fingers crossed
0: Shall I make Peter disappear? Yeah. Yes. Shall I make him
2: disappear? Go away, Peter!
3: Go away! Go away! He's gone! And off he goes. But um there's a beautiful moment where she's playing the piano rather well and he's like sort
2: of <gasps> trying up. to sort
3: of harmonise with
2: yeah, it. But
3: painful. there's a woman right at the back of shop, just an essay, just an essay, a supporting artist. Yeah. And she's eating some cake. And you can just hear the chink of her, of her <gasps> oh. spoon on the plate because she's just carrying on eating uh, oh <laughs> <It's,
1: clears> This <throat> It's really
0: And then he turns, it's the back of his head, and he turns the camera, and he's had face paint put on. So he looks like a, I don't know, a tiger or something. Oh, God. Magical. It's lovely that none of the characters in
4: this is getting what they want, are they? Yeah. I mean, Flick is unhappy. unhappy. Peter's unhappy. Peter can't have sex with this beautiful woman that he loves. Meanwhile, Nana would fuck the living daylights out. Peter, given half a chance, and he won't. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, Joe Scannon jumping on top of Rob Bryden. It's delightful.
0: Which almost feels like a moment of victory. You go, hooray! He's having some... Oh, God, this is bleak. But they're, they're keeping these tiny victories. But they, they're doing... No one's getting what they want. Flick
4: I mean, tries to fuck the
0: clown, doesn't yes, he? And, and,
4: and he won't have it.
0: Yeah, I just... He's terrified. You. Is that, is that brilliant thing? Just, you see the end, the huge clown shoes at the end of the bed is yeah. how it's done. Which is, I mean, it's a carry-on of a <laughs> yeah. gag. But they, they fit in this world. And a couple of the the couples in this series, they use the phrase, well, all we have is each other. And it's all about people who go, "All oh, they have each other. And you want to go, that's not enough. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to stop. This is, there's all, they're all about codependency. And that's a lovely thing to do with a double act. yeah. Because codependency is what Eric and Ernie have got. It's what all double acts have. You're not the same without the other person. But these are really broken double acts. <laughs> so there's comedy in, the dynamic between them, but it's a horrible, bleak, desperate need for each other.
3: Yeah,
5: I'm the happiest man in the world. The happiest man in the world, and you're the happiest girl. You're the happiest girl, and I'm the happiest man in the world.
3: The darkness, those I think, always has appealed to me. The darker it can go, the better, because it's it's not you know it's not something that you see on TV. So it seems. It seems like you're a bit naughty watching it somehow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like this. Oh, this shouldn't be allowed.
4: Great, Let's well, actually, get stuck in. Totally, this the whole series is pretty good because it keeps there, though the darkness is very dark. It's not in the foreground. Usually, no. it's kept very well controlled. So because they're hiding. The it. Funny is in the foreground, and the darkness is sitting back there somewhere. And you're, you're you are definitely aware of it.
0: But that, that's in that's in the form that was always when you went to the playground after you'd watched one of these documentaries. Imagine you watch a Louis Theroux documentary documentary or whatever, all these things that were around roughly at this time. And you'd, in the playground or in, in the office the next day, you'd say, did you see that thing? God, that guy was mental. I bet he had his dead mum upstairs. There was always that thing that you said. I can't
4: said. imagine which Louis Theroux you're talking
0: I about. I don't know. Uh, yeah, but uh, they were all, there was that bit, Louis Theroux always went, can I see you in the bedroom? To people. And he went, oh, that's where the secret is. And you're always in these things, doing the psycho thing of what's in the fruit cellar. Yeah. What's, what's down there? What's buried? Yeah. What aren't they saying to camera is inherent in the form? Because it's why, I think, comedians and people who like comedy watched those documentaries at the time because there was always a a hidden thing and that's where you found the joke
5: when flick is feeling particularly tired and tight i will sleep in my study and nana creeps up with a little nightcap for me and there'll be a tenderness in her eyes and i'm at once transported back to childhood
4: it's very quotable, isn't it? It's a very quotable series.
0: Incredibly quotable. Because they've worked, they've worked it, they've practiced it, and these are their favourite lines. Yeah. They're doing, yeah, for that's, the true. that's true. That's true. Yeah. Course.
3: Sometimes you can almost see the glee in their eyes. They're like, <laughs> Oh, I'm so glad this got in this line.
0: <laughs> oh, you can see as well. Sometimes when they've done, it, I do a short line where it's. Pff- there's loads of joke hidden in the line that you can see them hoping that someone says and stop because they're going to crack up they've got the quickest possible distance yeah. to get all the story and joke yeah. in but if you like Alan Partridge and you like the day to day and those no one died bits and the, the I've bought some tungsten tipped screws the banal mm. jokes in mean, in Victoria Wood as well if they tickle you Alan Bennett if that makes you laugh then this is exactly in that key yeah Doritos posh crisps Spindlero, Magnifico Oh yeah So you think it's, a Van, no, Damme, do, it's... Van Damme Van Damme wears lifts Is that a brilliant thing we he's, he's, <laughs> yes. Where the, the yobbish Welsh guys Naming actors who are also short And she joins in
5: I mean you look at any of these Hollywood stars And they all wear boots Sylvester Stallone Billy Joel He's not big He wears boots um,
2: Tom Cruise Tom
5: Cruise He wears them
2: Father Christmas
5: Michael Douglas with Catherine
0: Zeta-Jones She's she Welsh. She not well, She thinks Father Christmas is an American action <laughs> <laughs> star. <stuff. laughs> it's thrown away. <laughs> that might be my favourite line from the whole
4: series. Even in uh, an English squeaker, it's, it's little, <laughs> little phrases like, um, hither and yon.
0: Mm. I heard that and went, oh, God, that's yeah. good. That's actually, such good. Again, writing. that's pure Christopher Guest. The reason you laugh at Spinal Tap is the characters are nice and it's generous, but you're laughing at the phrasing. Mm. and they've got the phrasing right they've practised this they're good at talking to each other and they've they've written their 20 favourite jokes down she's moved Jeffrey's body hasn't she yeah. um, they, in his, they
4: his they burial ex- plot, so, ex- ex- so that he's so that he's now erect <laughs> <Stood> upright.
0: <laughs> buried upright No <So> perfect why <laughs> no
3: reason
4: she's going to be curled round him isn't she like a she, banana because yeah. that
3: was their favourite position yes. oh my so they're God. recreating their favourite sex position <laughs> for the <break>. grave <laughs> he's not allowed he's well, not allowed in <laughs>
0: They change from show to show, which I think helps as well when you're talking about sort of what these are difficult dynamics, but sometimes he's alpha, sometimes she's alpha. It's about couples, and because it's about couples and relationships, it's about dynamics. So it's pure comedy, Is in there's a high-status clown and a low-status clown in each of the, the relationships, and they both enjoy playing both. It's lovely. This is a good one, I think, this one, because Julia Davis it's high status. is high-status and being very aristocratic, yeah. and he's this little bullied man. Yeah. Whereas in a lot of them, he's sort of this relentlessly chipper or yobbish guy. Mm.
3: In other episodes, they do have um, a lot of recurring stuff where he is um, aggressive but friendly.
1: <laughs> but also, they, they,
0: they play with that kind of uh, everyone's stupid. Everyone can't see that everyone can see what's going on. Everyone's a bit stupid. So sometimes you're just laughing at them because they're proper clowns. There's a brilliant thing where they're putting up the, the wallpaper in the nursery with the, the little bears doing somersaults. God, they're and she's, it. And they're, they're stapling, stapling the wallpaper to the wall, but they're obsessed by the fact that some of the bears have been printed upside down by mistakes. So they're cutting them out and turning them over, ruining it. It's jokes like that, but they, the, the, the characters can't see how stupid they are. They're, they're, and they can't see that you can see through that so when they're doing the thing with Les the guy who's constantly singing he's running the florists that his little songs these annoying little songs he's improvising that he thinks that's covering up for the despair at the heart of their life and they're all doing that all the characters are sort of going to camera it's kind of a keep calm and carry on mentality it's very British and very wrong
3: yeah I think in All Over My Glasses there's a moment where they're forcing her on her hen night to recreate the pornography yeah yeah. (laughs) I mean it's so uh, it's a it's abuse why is it funny?
0: Well they, 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 they like the mm. joke. Is that us? Is
3: that?
0: I don't know. I think is what you're watching is you're watching people lying because there's something always really funny when someone in a in a farce or whatever says, "Of course I wasn't. you're laughing because you know they were. And so they're all saying we've got a very functional relationship, we're very happy, we're very happily married, we need each other to the camera. And what you're laughing at is that they're lying because you can see layers of this. There's a great line in in an English squeak where uh, where Flick's talking about her time at Rodine. I was the same at
2: Rodine. I was uh,
0: pretty popular.
2: Um, I mean, a little bit of bullying went on, but um, I don't regret it.
0: Which is amazing. I mean, as a piece of writing, is amazing. You flip it over, but what you're saying there is there's a history of bullying and abuse. Yeah, there yeah. are there are secret victims buried everywhere in all their backstories.
3: But I think is it is it's a testament to their performance and the standard of writing that you feel completely comfortable.
0: Yes. You feel completely yeah.
3: at ease with this. You're like this this isn't going to tip over into anything that I'm going to
0: If these guys are okay down, about it. I think there's yeah. again we're back in that thing of saying you're watching different characters every time, but you're watching Rob Brydon and Julia Davis. Yes. Mm, and yeah. the the, the, the vibe... confidence
3: you feel in what they're doing is that yeah, I'm in your hands. That's fine. That's absolutely fine. And that's that's the <laughs> art. That's the real art of it. Isn't yeah. It? Yeah. That you know, if your audience doesn't feel Like, they're completely safe within your hands. They won't go with the dark stuff. They just won't allow you to go there.
0: Obviously, they've got that in common with people like the League of Gentlemen who are working a very similar kind of thing where you go, well, I mean, it'll be dark, but I trust these guys to take me there because I like those guys. They're pretty making themselves laugh. So you can't say there's no comedy in it. And you know the intent is all delight. They're not just trying to upset you. And it's a bit like getting on a roller coaster or something. You want to be a bit thrilled and feel a bit like, whoa! Some people
3: don't. There's there's a brilliant, um, the Dutch Elm Conservatoire, which Mm. is Dan Skinner and Rufus Jones and.
0: Jim Phil Smith. Phil Smith and, and Steve, Steve Evans and. And, uh, and Jordan.
3: Yeah. And, and there was a great anecdote they used to tell. They're doing, a, I think, their biggest sort of Edinburgh audience yet in a big venue, and it's all about escaped prisoners, I think. But they've got uh, spent loads of money on like searchlights and sort of uh, dry <laughs> ice and sirens going off, and this is going to open their show. And they one of them said just from the wings, they heard someone in the front go, fr- and it, it's dramatic and it's all building. Yeah. And someone in the front row just said oh, no, I've got a bad feeling about this. And and it's it's the idea that someone could just go, no, 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 I don't, no, 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 this is going to be really bad.
0: That sort of audience vaginismus can't happen at the beginning. (laughs) They can't tighten up at the beginning.
3: There's no accommodation allowed.
2: (laughs) Um, Peter's concerned that uh, I shan't cope when he goes, but... uh, I've told him not
0: to worry. I, th- I think maybe that's why we regard this so highly, is you've got a thing here, which you're playing with, there's a bunch of dangerous stuff in there, mm. which they're playing with. you are playing with, with dark themes and, and you're playing with improvisation, which can go wrong. It's an actor's vanity project, which can go wrong. All yeah. this stuff can go wrong. But the reason you watch it and enjoy it, and the moment it starts, you go, we're in safe hands, is that these two are brilliant at it. They're think- evidently brilliant at it. And you trust them to take you in and to you trust them not to waste your time.
3: Do you think that you would feel like that if you watched it fresh for the first time now, 20 years into your career? Yes. Do you? Yeah, yeah
0: I do. Because yeah. I'm not
3: sure how I would feel.
0: I don't know. I think, uh, th- At it's... the
3: time, I didn't do comedy. I had a night drive, yeah, yeah. and, you know, just thought this was the, the greatest thing ever. But I wonder but I can watch it now and enjoy it as much as I ever did, and you can't say that about a lot of things.
0: Yeah, it's dated very well, I think, in terms of, the jokes are still really, really Absolutely. funny.
4: the
3: jokes are still yeah. there. But it's
0: just very beautifully made as well. I hadn't thought about the stakes
4: that you were just talking about, but the stakes for this were very high, aren't they? You've got improvisation, you've got Vanity Project, you've got a great director, Matt Lipsey, I and mean, it looks brilliant, yeah. it's really beautifully shot even though on the commentary, Rob Brydon talks about how a lot of an English squeak was shot on the last day, because they felt they were light on material so right. you can't tell that at all it looks beautifully worked it does, out yeah. and it's also
3: shot in the summer as well yeah mm. I don't know why that
0: makes a difference well it stops just, it being too dark it's, uh, the, yes the, 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 you the,
3: see them swimming in a pool
0: yeah it's got no claustrophobia, it's got a very, very big sky. The, the lovely one with the, where they're running the terrible florists in Brighton. Mm. Those huge, bright skies and things. You can see that it's it's just
3: sat outside in the warm sunshine, they're not pretending that they're
5: warm, which is. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's all there, isn't it? That's idealism for me, you see. I mean, I said it before. Well, people say the cruel sea, you know, but I don't go along with that. I say it's beautiful. I'll say there's only one thing more beautiful, and that's Ray.
3: Her, we've done stuff in the past yeah. <laughs> you can see my lips are turning blue on the oh. on the on the monitor and then,
0: sucking an ice cube to just, stop your breath freezing yeah
3: it's it's hard to watch that stuff
0: I suppose what it looks like is it looks like the best time of their lives. It, <laughs> it looks like they are having the best. And Bryden's talked about it. He's talked about it. He said, I'd go back at a heartbeat. You see, sometimes f- apparently phones Julie Davis and says, God, use that couple on television. They'd be a perfect human mm. remains couple. They've still got it in their heads. And it looks like, but weirdly, this, part did the character work and the fact that the people in it are having a horrible time. Feels like the characters are having a horrible time. But this is a delightfully welcoming darkness to it. Because I think that the pair of them are clearly having a hoot
4: yeah that must have been for those two and everybody else on the crew that must have been one fucking glorious summer yeah. mustn't it I, I imagine how much fun this was to yeah. make oh.
3: And just, yeah, lunch hours, sat outside, enjoying the sun.
0: Making like, up new stuff, making each other laugh. Yeah,
3: like what an idyllic summer that would have been.
4: You just it's, know that at some point Julia Davis <laughs> just arrived with an eye patch. It's never explained. It's it patch. Patch. She
0: suddenly decided that the vaginist was just making her blind in <laughs> oh no, one she does,
3: eye. She does say sporadic
0: blindness. Yeah. <laughs> But it's clearly, it's he's no, turned up. It's, 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 it's got that. What's amazing is that we're coming, I didn't know we'd end up here, but we're talking about something which has got a reputation for being one of the darkest things ever. The thing that was the springboard for nighty night and under being camping and, and all this darkness. And we're just saying, God... What a lovely place to go. And maybe that's it. Maybe in its DNA is how much fun they had. And again, if you get the DVD, flick on the buttons to see them rehearsing it and working out what they're going to say. And all you can see is two people crying, laughing. And it's a strange part of comedy i suppose that when you're making dark stuff probably because it's naughty you're laughing harder than you ever would do against laughing at a funeral you're not meant to laugh at this stuff
3: but everyone knows i mean particularly sketch acts the stuff that made you laugh most in when you were writing it is always the stuff that goes down better yeah even if it's not the most palatable the the, the joy of it is infectious mm. you wonder how many of these people they'd met (laughs)
0: don't you i don't know
4: i wonder whether any of them were based on real people
3: maybe an acorn of
0: i've got a friend like that or or my mum's mate. it feels real but definitely the two people you can see all the way through it are the two of them they're never invisible and that's probably what's the most joyous thing about it is that you want to spend time with those guys (laughs) oh
4: do a second series julia and rob
0: yeah Yeah. do more you want to have another glorious summer one more glorious summer.
3: And it always have to be shot in the summer. Yes. I think.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for bringing in and celebrating the sunny delights of human <laughs> remain. <remote. laughs> <laughs> Definitely British comedy's most sunshiny show. <laughs> Bring me sunshine. Uh, in your smile.
4: <laughs> Anna Crilly, thank you so much. Thank you for coming in.
3: Thanks. <laughs>
5: Hands up who's got wood. Light. Hands up who's got wood.